You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What is good, everybody? Welcome to another edition of The Look Ahead, part of the SB Nation NFL show. I'm Rob Stats Guerrero from Niners Nation, and with me, as always, from Blogging the Boys, RJ Ochoa. What's up, RJ? What's going on, Stats? I'm reinvigorated. Wednesday night's episode of The Challenge on MTV has me feeling the right kind of way. Uh, things broke the way I wanted them to break, and so I'm in the right spirits to talk to you um, and defend my takes and, uh, and hear whatever entertaining things you have to offer. I always have entertaining things to offer. And before we get started, I just want to remind everybody, rate, review, and subscribe to the SB Nation NFL show. If you leave a review, we will read it. I'm just going to pick a random one, RJ. This is totally Uh random. I haven't looked at this ahead of time. This is the first one I see. And it's from the Blue Spruce, who says, Great slate of shows, but I'm surprised that you haven't realized yet that Rob is the capital T talent and should be the main man on every show. Make it happen. Sincerely, Bobby G. Bobby, I appreciate it. You're 100% right. And the people have spoken, RJ. Interesting. Uh, I know people call you stats, but your name is Rob. Short for Robert, I imagine. Another derivation of that. Bob. Bobby. I mean, just just throwing it out here, stats. It sounds a lot like a, an alias of yours. Uh, what was it? Bobby Green? What was the, the full name here? Bobby G. Bobby G. Okay. It's a really, you know, really convenient for that. It's rather inconspicuous. Um, it, look, everybody has multiple devices in their home stats. If you wanted to leave a review for yourself, that's fine. I mean, you could have just let us all know it's cool. You're so, great. I'm not knocking that. I'm just, you know, let's, you know. Let me see if I understand this. You think <laughs> my plan to prop up myself and leave a burner review was to sign the review with my actual name. I, like, again, Rob Guerrera, Bobby G. I mean, all I can do is connect dots. I mean, the dots are are there, you know? This is like that exercise in kindergarten where it's like uh, whatever constellation system and you're just following the dots to connect them. That's that's what this is. That's Bobby G. That's are your you, new nickname. No, I hate that. So please do not do that. <laughs> we have a lot to argue over today. and We're going to fight over Julian Edelman a little later in the show. But before we do that... We are two weeks away from the NFL draft, and we're always looking for ways to make the draft more exciting. And one way to do that is to bet on the draft. And we have plenty of draft props, but we're not going to do it alone. We are very pleased to welcome in Kate Majuk from DraftKings Nation, doing double duty this week on the SB Nation NFL show after hosting the PupCast yesterday. What is up, Kate? Oh, my gosh. I uh, first need to say, Bobby, uh, love the review. Totally agree. Uh, that's that's really good stuff. Totally innocuous. I, I I love love what we were accomplishing there, but I agree. Uh, if you have multiple devices in your house, you gotta you gotta do that. That's nothing wrong. Nothing wrong with that at all. Um, I'm excited to bet 
Uh, well, actually, I'm betting by proxy, guys. I can't bet the NFL draft in Pennsylvania, and it's probably a good thing because I would bet away all of my money. So this is a, a fun exercise for me because I get to dive in. There's a lot of really good bets uh, over at DraftKings Sportsbook, and we're going to talk about them, and I'm, I'm very excited. But, hey, we're two weeks away. Two what, weeks. What if you used an alias like Catherine M.? You know what I mean? No. Something. I mean, I'm just, it's you know, literally... if, we're, if we're in the mood here today, I mean, <laughs> that's all I'm saying. You know, it's, it's, we can do this. Uh, yeah. You know what my, like my high school uh, login name for everything is Katie Pie. Cause I, I just thought that was like really fun, but it's, it's with an E-I-G-H-T-Y pie. I thought I was very clever, but uh, I was not. So maybe that can be my new alias moving forward. And I'm just going to adopt that that name here in in the professional world of sports journalism so stats my uh my username for everything at that time was drummer roj because i was on the drum line in high school and when you're on the drum line in high school you're obligated to tell everybody that you were on the drum line in high school so i've accomplished that here today what was your like general aim username um not that Kate was of a loser variety, but mine was. So, like, what was yours of a loser variety? Mine is the worst. Mine was Little Italy. So oh, no. I'm surprised it wasn't Bobby G, but okay. Yeah. It, uh, <laughs> it's not a shining moment in my history, I fully admit. And well, it before is- I graduated to Katie Pie, I was uh, Sunshine Baby 91 with a <laughs> B-A-B-I-I. So, oh, I, no. I did uh, I, I was a, a fool at once and then I graduated and to uh, more grown up foolishness. So Katie pie. All right. Katie pie. There are a whole bunch of people right now asking what the hell is aim, but we digress. You can Google it. People, if you don't know, <laughs> there are a Bring ton. Oh God. There are a ton of great draft props out there. RJ was a little hesitant to jump in on the props, but like I am all for it. And let's just start at number three, because that seems to be where the first question is. RJ, I throw it out to you. According to DraftKings, Mac Jones is minus 200 to be the third overall pick, which means you have to bet $200 to win $100. So they really think Mac Jones is going three to the Niners. Are you taking that bet? Well, um, I know somebody here on the SB Nation NFL show. It isn't myself. It isn't Pete. It isn't BLG. It isn't Kate. It isn't Kyle. Uh, and it isn't kissed that really leans on Vegas's support when it comes to the idea that the San Francisco 49ers are going to have success this coming season. That is, um, you know, used as the primary point of emphasis by a particular individual uh, who may or may not have gotten the most recent five star review. But um, so in that sense, um, I mean, I would I take that? No, um, because I don't. This is, I'm not like the biggest, you know, draft Nick. I'm fully capable of realizing that other people are far better at, at grinding tape than I am. However, all of the signs do seem to indicate that that is the direction that the 49ers want to go in. Um, and so, um, it, yeah, like, Kate, love having you here. It's it's great to have a third voice because Stats is always like, I don't know, guys. Vegas believes the Niners are going to win the Super Bowl. And here he is shaking his head at the idea of the 49ers taking Mac Jones. So, Kate, I, I throw it to you. I, I do feel like this is more probable than not. Shout out to Tom Brady, of course, at this particular point. I call BS. I call oh, firm BS. Yeah. And I think this is Vegas's, uh, Vegas is just playing another role in the smoke screens of the NFL draft. 
good for Vegas. Uh, and you know what? It means the San Francisco 49ers, all of the rumblings that they're putting out there, it's working. That is the point of literally any piece of breaking breaking news or whatever you would like to call it. Uh, you believe nothing in these these months leading up to the NFL draft because that's that's the that's the game. It's like the Hunger Games. You need Ooh. you need people to take the bets. You need people to to take the bait. And if Vegas has Mac Jones at minus two hundred, I'm absolutely going to say uh, that is a farce. It's a hundred percent Justin Fields. So this is like um, like Vegas is to the Niners what like the sponsors are to Katniss, like coming in and yes. dropping <laughs> off like supplies or whatever the case may be. Okay. <laughs> I if think we you... should do the whole podcast in this theme, by the way, that uh, just make alliterations to the Hunger Games. I think that would be great. Do I get to be Stanley Tucci in that? Because he's my favorite part of those movies. So you're a movie guy, Stats. You haven't read the books. Mm. Reading. Reading yeah. is overrated. Mm, okay. Cool. Yeah. You're, you're okay, stats. That's fine. Um, I suppose this is fair logic. Uh, but I just I don't know. I, I'm a little hesitant to buy in on Kyle Shanahan is like the great whisperer of all things. So I'm I'm hesitant to buy in that, you know, I I, I honestly believe he's just simply this simplistic that that maybe he really is just that focused at this point. Um, because generally that can happen, right? Like when was the last time we were surprised by a team who traded up into the top three or top two at the quarterback they took. Like it, the, the tea leaves are generally somewhat easy to read. Um, shout out to Professor Trelawney from Harry Potter now. Um, but I mean, either way, I, I don't know if, if you guys wanted to go this direction with our fictitious money here, I'm, I'm not against it. Well, let me uh, give you a couple other numbers because the, player with the next best odds to be taken third is Justin Fields at plus 150. That means you bet $100 to win 150. Trey Lance is at plus 400 and Zach Wilson is at plus 2000. I think we know it's not going to be Zach Wilson. But here's the thing, RJ. Justin Fields just had a second pro day yesterday where he was running plays specifically from the 49ers playbook. Why is Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch and Rich Scangarello, the quarterback's coach, and Adam Peters, the assistant GM, why are they having him do all this if they're taking Mac Jones? They don't have to fool anybody. They're at three. So I don't understand why the 49ers would bother with all this. They're going to have another pro day with Trey Lance next week. What is the point of all this if they're just going to go with Mac? I think it's what... Kate said, I mean, they're they're trying to throw you off in a number of different directions, right? Like, you know, keep you on your toes. Nothing can be predicted. Nothing can be, you know, why? The truth. because they're dumb. <laughs> like that's, the you know, like some some people make one left. Some people make three rights. And Kyle Shanahan is a three rights kind of guy to go the same direction that everybody just takes one left to go. That's actually the most uh, beautiful insult. Like it's it's the most kind <laughs> I don't I don't even know if it's an insult, but I like it. But you know what? I let's just be real here. I mean, does Vegas have a vested interest in uh, going along with the smoke? Uh, if everybody lays down two hundred dollars on Mac Jones to be that number three overall pick, guess what? I think Vegas is gonna walk away pretty happy smoke screen. So here's what I would do. I would lay down money on. Well, who was 150 odds? Was that Justin Fields' stats? Yeah, that was Justin Fields. I would lay down odds on Justin Fields and Zach Wilson. Just just hedge yourself, right? Because, like, what if things get weird? Like, just, you know, protect your interests. Maybe things work out, you know, your way in a number of ways, stats. 
Well, that to me, like I wouldn't be stunned if Justin Fields went number two. I don't know. Like we all think it's Zach Wilson. Uh, why? Because the Jets said that Steve Young is kind of plugged in like teams lie all the time. What if Justin Fields went number two? Then you get Zach Wilson potentially at number three at plus 2000. Right. This is my genius idea. Why are we not you know, congratulating me for it? I refuse to acknowledge that you have any genius ideas. Well, okay. So uh, what are Zach? Well, I don't know exactly what you have in front of these stats. What are Zach Wilson's odds to go number two to the Jets? How about that? He is minus 2000 to go number two. So Vegas really <laughs> thinks he's going to be the pick. Kate was really shocked by that as her cat jumped up on her. Is it a couch or a table? My uh, cat is uh, appalled by those. Odds. <laughs> that's a, that's a little rich. Uh, and when I say a little, I mean, that's really, really rich for me. Like, I, I know uh, during Zach Wilson's pro day, they did come out to say that uh, there was a, a scout, I believe, that texted uh, somebody that said, yeah, of course, Zach Wilson's going number two. No way he doesn't. But guess what? Like, that was one scout. That was one scout. And I think Justin Fields had just a good, as good a pro day. We didn't have uh, Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers. My cat really wants to be in on this conversation, guys. I'm so sorry. What's um, your cat's name? Kiko, actually, after Kiko Alonso. Really? Uh, I think we, yes, I think we ruined that for Kiko. Um, I don't know who ruined who, but. It was Chip Kelly's <laughs> fault. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I just think, like, I don't, why are we so sure? I don't, I don't really understand why we're so sure. Um, I get why we're so sure about Trevor Lawrence, but. Everybody else, I think, has been sort of a, a wash. And I think Justin Fields, the fact that there's been so much hullabaloo, I think that tells us something that people want Justin Fields to fall. And that's for a reason. And if you're feeling lucky, Justin Fields is plus 1600 to go number two. So maybe it's worth throwing, you know, some shekels down on that and taking a flyer on it, because if it pays off, which it very well could, that's a nice little chunk of change. Kudos to you, stats operating in shekels, big time over there. That's how we that's how we do it over here. <laughs> All right, uh, so we've kind of talked about number three. At number four, to me, this is where the whole dra- like anything can happen. At number four, the Falcons could take whatever quarterback is left. The Falcons could trade out of that pick. I know there's been a lot of talk about Denver possibly moving up, making a move, but I also think the Falcons could stick there and take any number of players. RJ, I'll ask you first, what do you think is most likely to happen at number four? I think what's most likely to happen is um, to make everything about the Dallas Cowboys, which is my job. Um, Dallas Cowboys fans have an easy decision made for them when the Atlanta Falcons take Kyle Pitts. That removes the lure, uh, if you want to call it that. I think it's there's a lot of logic in them taking Pitts if he falls to 10. Uh, but I think Atlanta can't resist. Um, I, I think Atlanta is, interestingly kind of in a similar spot to the Cowboys in 2016 when they took Zeke at four overall. Um, it does it does feel like trying to buy time back on, on Matt Ryan's career uh, in a sense and, and trying to kind of just, you know, keep things moving with that offense. I think it's fair to start contemplating life after Julio, life with Calvin Ridley, life with Kyle Pitts. And so I think that that makes sense. I, I certainly can't knock the strategy of, of drafting a quarterback, but I just I, – I wouldn't want – if I was – if I was new to the Falcons organization, I would not like on day one want, you know, the situation of handling Matt Ryan's departure right away. Cause that would be tough. Kate, what do you think happens at number four? So uh, it, I'm actually really torn here. I 
think that there is a reasonable chance that Kyle Pitts could go here at four to the Falcons. I think they like Trey Lance a lot, but again, the only question I have regarding that sort of move, um, I mean, it would make sense from a standpoint, like I, I don't know that Trey Lance would be ready to start immediately. Uh, you still have Matt Ryan, but like he, his contract is loaded with dead money. If you're ready to move on from Matt Ryan, it's going to kill you. Like, it, I mean, uh, in the 2021 season, carries 70 million in dead cap. 2022, 40 million in dead cap. Like, if that's the case, and I mean, it sucks for this new organization that's coming in, and they're essentially handcuffed to this quarterback. But I mean, it would have to be a situation where, similar to Jared Goff, like there's there's basically you're paying for picks. Uh, because you're you're taking on some of that salary, something like that, if they're going to move on. And I don't know if they'd find a, a partner the way that they did for Jared Goff, because Jared Goff is young and uh, he's he's got a whole career ahead of him if you could do the right thing. So I, while I've been leaning Trey Lance, I actually, I talked myself out of it. Um, I, I think uh, they either draft pits here or uh, move back just a few few spots more where, um, you know, they, they just kind of have their pick of offensive weaponry uh, at this point in the, in the draft. So DraftKings says that Kyle Pitts has the best odds to be the first non-quarterback drafted. He is at plus 125. Panay Sewell is at plus 200. And then Jamar Chase is plus 250. I think it's just as likely we see a non-quarterback there than a, than a QB. I, we've never had four quarterbacks go with the first four picks in an NFL draft before. And if I'm betting on my money, I don't want to bet against history. I'll let somebody else make their money with a historic event. That's not going to be how I place my money, RJ. Interesting, because you support the idea that the 49ers can win the Super Bowl with a rookie quarterback, even though that also has literally never happened in the history of the NFL. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't say I would bet on it. Low <laughs> so blow, man. Different? I mean, I don't know. I, it's just, you know, there's, there's some conflicting ideologies happening here. Um, but I see, like, in, now I'm, you know, contradicting myself. I don't necessarily buy that just because, like, it's never happened that, like, four quarterbacks going could not happen. Because I do think, like, I think there's a level of panic. Um, and this is about a non-Atlanta team is just as much as it is about Atlanta there's a level of panic around like we've got to get our guy. We've got to start our rookie contract window. We, we've got to financially commit ourselves to something. If not, we're just like aimlessly wandering here. And so I, I think I actually think I've talked myself into the fact that if it's a quarterback, it's it's a non-Atlanta team. So I guess it is just a matter of to, to Kate's point trading back, which I think is enticing to that point, because maybe this isn't the year you want to take your quarterback if you're Atlanta. But how do you how do you get out of that? If you are Atlanta, you acquire picks. And so. That way, if you move on from Matt Ryan in 2022, you have a future 2022 first round or whatever that isn't yours. Um, so you're a little bit more well-stocked in that capacity. Um, and I, I think that sometimes, like, I think we all develop these, like, biases. Like, we all think, like, Penn State linebackers are really great and, like, every wide receiver the Steelers draft is going to be awesome. And so, like, a bias in my mind is that the Falcons are always going to take the, like, hot skill position player. And that might be why I've leaned into the Kyle Pitts to Atlanta thing. Well, I think well, Kyle Pitts, you look at just, I mean, which which of these guys are we most confident is a generational talent? I think it's Pitts. Right? Sure. 
And that's what you're looking for, obviously, at number four at the top of the draft. Like, if you get a guy who's just a solid player, that's disappointing when you have a top five pick. You're looking for something more than that. Uh, we've talked about four quarterbacks that may go. DraftKings says that the over-under for wide receivers in round one is four and a half. We have seen, I mean, last year's wide receiver class was absolutely loaded. There are a lot of good people in this year's class. Are you going over or under on that bet, Kate? Oh, I've like, I've gone back and forth uh, a million times. I think there are a lot of teams that could use a wide receiver. I went through the list of picks, Miami at six, Philadelphia at 12, Vegas. I'm still counting them in. I know Henry Ruggs, but I, I don't think any of us are still, still on that train. New England, Tennessee, Jets, Baltimore, Green Bay. There are so many teams that can use a wide receiver, but there's also so many teams, uh, or there's so many really talented wide receivers on the board. I do worry that that's going to push some of these guys down the draft board, but in my head, most likely to go Jamar Chase. I do think Devonta Smith uh, is bound for first round. Of course, Kadarius Tony, I think is going to be one of those guys, maybe at the late first Elijah Moore. I'm it's so fringe for me. I'm going to say over just because I think, um, somebody might bite on uh, the athleticism of Rashad Bateman. He's like the, the tiebreaker for me. Um, he he sort of fell off my board a, little, a bit when he measured in at 5'7". I have to imagine that, you know, he fell off with plenty of boards at that point. But I think he's going to be the final, the fifth wide receiver. Uh, and somebody's going to bite on just the elite athleticism. I'll take the over. Yeah, I think if if I'm caught in the middle, I think leaning in the over direction is probably just I would rather live on that side. Um, but beyond that, Rashad Bateman has gotten there are generally every there's like the the handful of dudes who get the like early April push, like national narrative. And and that's Rashad Bateman. And it feels like that's enough to kind of carry him over the, the proverbial goal line in this sense and go in the first round. Um, so shout out to his agent for um, getting his name out there in the right context. But yeah, stats, we're both taking the over. So if you're not, you lose. No, I think I got to go over on this. You kind of casually mentioned Elijah Moore, Kate. And I got to tell you, I'm a little worried about your marriage because I host a show with your wife, Michelle, and I don't think she loves anybody as much as she loves Elijah Moore. Like every week we talk about how great he is. I think she thinks he's going in the first round. You throw him in there like I, the over looks pretty good to me. Chase is definitely going round one. Waddle, Smith, I, I think it's an easy over if I am if I uh, throw Elijah Moore in there. I, I think Elijah Moore is going to be uh, one of those, those tipping scale kind of players. My wife and I have talked endlessly about it to Tennessee all the way. Please send him to the Titans. I think that would be a really good fit. But there's just so many, uh, I think, good fits at this point in the draft. I think Devonta Smith, you can't – you can be concerned about the weight all you want, but you can't argue with the the absolute monstrous production. Jalen Waddle, worthy of a first round pick. There are all these guys that I do think are uh, elite level athletes. I they're going to be really hard to pass up on, and there's just so many teams that do need a wide receiver at this point, and they need one badly. Yeah, and I think interestingly, this has taken on a, a financial outlook of its own. Um, I do. And, and I know we're talking about first round picks, but I feel like teams think more than ever, like, oh, we could just get dudes in the third round and we don't have to pay receivers like it. it is. I don't want to say mimicking the quarterback position in that sense, but like 
like the, you know, again to make everything about the Cowboys, like Michael Gallup. Like every, no Cowboys fan wants to pay Michael Gallup because we'll just spend another third round pick on a player and find another Michael Gallup and just kind of do this forever. And you draft and pay generational people like C.D. Lamb again to last year's uh, class's point. But um, but yeah, I mean a lot of these dudes are of that variety. I'm really nervous that Waddle's going to end up on the Giants. Um, that's my personal fear, which sucks. Do you watch the draft that way? Because I do. Obviously, you know, okay, who's my team picking? But then I'm also hoping for the other teams in my division to screw it up. And- oh, yeah. Like Last year, the greatest moment of my draft last year was when the Cowboys took CeeDee Lamb. The second was when the Eagles took Jalen Hurts. Um, <laughs> so, so um, I mean, totally, like 100%. Um, and I think it's more interesting in, in, in the earlier rounds, obviously. But it's also like last year, the Cowboys traded up with the Eagles when they took uh, Tyler Biotish in the fourth round. So like things like that do make it a little bit more spicy. Kate, do you hate watch the NFL draft that way? Um, I do. Uh, the the Baltimore Ravens drafting uh, Patrick Queen last year was the worst moment of my draft. But I will say uh, drafting Chase Claypool was an absolute highlight. Uh, we actually, last year, we went to the NFL Combine. We had no business being there, literally whatsoever. Um, but we literally just went to Indy and uh, went to some bars and we were networking with all of these folks uh, in the NFL, uh, ran into um, some interesting, interesting uh, former head coaches. We had a really fun time, but one of the like most exciting points was just watching uh Chase Claypool and just absolutely crush it. And a bunch of us were uh, just like arguing at a bar. Should he, should he be a tight end? Should he be a wide receiver? You know what? It doesn't matter because he's a stealer. He can be whatever he wants to be. And uh, I feel like he, he made my life a little bit better. I literally screamed. If you heard a scream somewhere around Chase Claypool's pick, probably me. I like the enthusiasm. Yeah. That's that's how it should be. That's how it it's should so be fun. on the draft. There's too many people that, that a pick is made and they're immediately mad about who it is and who they should have picked. Like there is a honeymoon period between the draft and when these guys actually get on the field. At least be happy during that time, right? Like once they get on the field, you can be mad. But can't you just assume and kind of trick yourself into believing that you got a good player before that, RJ? So stats, were you like the one person defending Daniel Jones then? Because it like based on this logic, it <laughs> seems like you were you were the guy that was like, guys, just be cool. Like they just took him. You have no idea who he's gonna be. I didn't think it was a good pick, but I wasn't screaming from the mountaintop how terrible it was, and the Giants are idiots. I was I'd kind of enjoyed mm. it because it's an NFC team that I think made a bad pick. See, that's the difference between you and I is um we had a lot of fun with that at blog on the boys uh, <laughs> needless to say that was a really really good time uh yeah like if you're not like rooting for failure for your division rivals i don't know like you're not you're not trying you, hard enough you're not you're not salting your steak is, is really the way i feel i mean it's you know you got to add that perspective to your life okay let's look at one more here before we let kate go running backs in round one over under point five. Oh, i mean Okay, you, you go ahead. Yeah, like who, what? Did you make this up, Stats? No. Will there be a running back picked in round one? Yes or no is essentially what it's asking. It is it is the over, and I think you all know why. It is the Steelers at 24 drafting Najee Harris. But but maybe it's not, and maybe uh, we see the Miami Dolphins taking uh, a running back or the New York Jets immediately in front of them. I think everybody knows that Pittsburgh has their eye on Najee Harris. 
I don't think it's like a, a crazy thing to think that maybe uh, Miami would take him at 18 or uh, maybe the Jets at 23. I guess I'm just taking it for granted. I, obviously, apparently, I assume that Najee is the first running back available. Uh, I've seen Daniel Jeremiah. Uh, he's tend to had uh, Travis Etienne as the first running back off the board. I don't buy that. I think it's at least Pittsburgh or bust, but uh, I, I think he's he's too good, and I think he separates himself too far uh, from the other running back prospects in this class that somebody's going to bite on the talent uh, before the end of round one. What about Arizona? We throw them in nah. the mix. You don't think so? I think they made the right move with James Conner. I actually uh, we we were doing a podcast yesterday and uh, researching for that podcast. I fell back in love with James Conner. Uh, As a, a Steelers fan, I've always liked him, but um, when he's he's actually been on the field, which has you know been ten to thirteen games in any given season, been really productive, including the twenty twenty season, um, leading up to like week eleven. He got hurt in game one, but in that 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 span from weeks two to week. Uh, 11 he was very productive on the football field he's uh, you know good in three down situations I just think he's a dynamic playmaker and you play him alongside a guy like Chase Edmonds to maybe take off some of those um, extra carries like the Steelers love to wear down their their running backs I think uh, Cliff Kingsbury is a little bit more eager to get uh, rotational guys involved like Chase Edmonds I think that's going to spare some wear and tear on Chase Scott. Chase, oh my God, James Connor. And I think that <laughs> Chase him Claypool's Chase always Edmonds, on the mind. <laughs> oh my God, always on the mind. I think they're going to make a really good one two punch, but I think that was a perfect setup for the Cardinals here because you don't have to utilize a draft pick. Um, they have, you know, needs on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and I mean, they got Connor for zero money. So I, I think they're out of the conversation for me just based on that one signing. And I think it was a really smart signing because uh, they, they want out on that trade uh, or that signing. It was uh, what? 1.75 million for a year. I mean, so I, this brings up a different point for me uh, to stats is like, what kind of fan are you? So you're the type of person that like roots for players to have success when they leave the Steelers, I guess. Like, cause they're, I'm not saying like, that I necessarily advocate for people that leave the Cowboys to fail, but there is that type of thing that, that's like, you're dead to me. Like, I don't even know who you are anymore. So it's, I, I'm like by nature, I don't know if you guys have picked up on this. I'm just like a, I'm a really positive person. And <laughs> by that, by that turn, sometimes I am gullible. I'm very skeptical when it comes to the NFL draft and that, that conversation, but I do. I, I do root for, for people's success just because it didn't work out for us doesn't mean it might not work out for you and somebody else. I was actually like Antonio Brown. I know there's so many questions about his off the field stuff, but like I was excited for him to win a Super Bowl and my mother-in-law, good God, um, she was not. And I like literally I closed the group chat. I was like, I'm not going to get involved in this conversation because I clearly <laughs> have nothing to contribute to this side of the, of the conversation here. I think it's, it's fun to root for people's success. No, that's just, you're a very kind person, or, Kate. You are, yeah, you are definitely the <laughs> best kind. person on this show right now. <laughs> I promise I'm competitive. I just, I, it, I, don't, I don't know. Maybe I need, I need to toughen up. 
It'd be real mad next season. <laughs> I have never been one to hesitate about fending off all comers when it comes to an argument. And the <laughs> argument that RJ Ochoa and I had yesterday was Don't about- twist it. Don't twist it. It was don't twist what I said. It's all I'm saying. It ahead. was about Julian Edelman. And RJ's having a really hard time because he doesn't know what to do with Julian Edelman. He's making you will, a mountain out of a molehill. Let, let me frame it because you're going to botch it. And the, the way Kate hears it and the way the listener <laughs> hears it is going to be important. So I understand that the Hall of Fame argument is annoying. And I am not advocating for Julian Edelman as a Hall of Famer. But I think the like scoffing at the idea is a little unfair. My argument is I love I love and have always loved the idea that, you know, the measurement for something in the Hall of Famer is could you tell the story of the NFL without them? And you cannot tell the story of the NFL without Julian Edelman. I mean, he's a very at, like at the very least, you have to acknowledge he's a very unique character in NFL history. He has the second greatest catch ever in Super Bowl history. His contributions came for the greatest dynasty of all time. And he was the Robin to the ultimate Batman in NFL history and Tom Brady for the ultimate. I don't know what Bill Belichick would be in this uh, Batman universe. Uh, maybe Alfred. No, that, that feels belittling. Commissioner Gordon. Thank, ironically, Commissioner Gordon. Um, and so, I mean, my point is like he has an extremely unique spot in, in NFL history. I equated him. Okay. I don't know if you've seen Breaking Bad, um, the, the television show. Right. Have you seen, well, he's like. He's like Skylar White, Walt's wife on the show. Nobody's okay. favorite character, but like a, a necessary component to the overall story. And that's Julian Edelman. Like he, he, he should have like a spot in some sort of museum is my point. Yeah, I, I'm actually. So wait, stats. What what is your argument here? Because I think, RJ, you, you made it perfectly. Um, I'm sorry, stats. Yeah, Bobby. You, know what, you know what the museum is, RJ? The Patriots Hall of Fame. That's where he, but like, this isn't hard. I'm going to get into it more after the break. Let me just say, RJ is totally <laughs> wrong for a ton of reasons. And I think it's, it, your position, RJ, is reflective of, I think, what fans in general do nowadays. So that's what I want to get into. But I, I'm fine. If you guys are both against me, that's fine. Let me lay it I out this think- way. But before Kate leaves, and stats be cool. Calvin Johnson, 500 times the receiver, that Julian Edelman was right, and I picked Calvin because stats hates him. Uh, so, but but objectively can't deny his greatness. But so we all agree, right? Like Calvin Johnson, far and away a better wide receiver, you know, more justifiable Hall of Famer. Julian Edelman is a is a more like necessary character in the story of NFL history than Calvin Johnson in this in the way like we contextualize the playoffs because like we sort of look at the playoffs as like second seasons. And Calvin Johnson was really absent from them. And so Julian Edelman like lived there. And so that's, that's just, it, it, you can't like ignore it is my whole point. He thrived there. Like I, I, you really can't tell the story of these Super Bowls without Julian Edelman. And you can't tell the story. Uh, he's of course in the Patriots hall of fame. He's um, he's such a huge part of that narrative. And I don't think like if, if you're going to send, Belichick to the the Hall of Fame as a coach and you're going to send Tom Brady to the NFL as a quarterback. I think Julian Edelman has a pretty big chunk of that pie. Is he flashy? No. Is he a sexy pick for the Hall of Fame? No. But to RJ's point, he is a very big part of the story of modern NFL history. Okay, let me ask you this last question. 
I told stats, if you power ranked the, the offensive hierarchy of the overall Patriots dynasty, Brady's obviously number one, Gronk's number two. And we're talking within the context of what the Patriots accomplished. Is Edelman not number three? Like who, who would be number three that, that would be above Edelman? I don't think there is, is anybody. I, I think it's a hundred percent Edelman. I, I don't think, because there are so many different moving parts. There have been guys that, that had short stints with the Patriots who were a part of those runs. But I mean, Julian Edelman and, and Rob Gronkowski, they were the constants uh, through that era. I don't think Tom Brady's uh, not, to say that Julian Edelman made Tom Brady, but I do think that the the relationships they had on the field, um, they all made each other better. And I think that's what was so special about this group of players. I'm team RJ. Kate forever. I'm also Kate, fired. Aren't I? Let me say you are a lovely person. You are a great analyst and a fantastic host. Get out of here. You're totally wrong. And I'm going to explain why after the break. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome back to The Look Ahead here, part of the SB Nation NFL show. Before we left, we were arguing about Julian Edelman and you, RJ, and Kate Majuk were just waxing poetic (laughs) about how great Julian Edelman is. He holds a special... This is not hard, RJ. Here's Julian Edelman's career in a nutshell. An above-average player in the regular season who had some great moments in the playoffs. That's it. Like, this is not difficult. We have seen these guys before. He's not even the best slot receiver in Patriots history. Come on now. Wes Welker was a billion times better. And by the way, if there's no Wes Welker, there's no Julian Edelman. Because that's who the Patriots were trying to replicate when they took Edelman. And by the way, they failed because Welker is a much better player. I agree with everything you said. I mean, like, again, and ultimately, if I have to choose a side, whether he's a Hall of Famer or not, he's not. And it's not a complicated decision in like the obtuse sense of it. However, he is a necessary component to the story. So that's why, like, I don't find the the fact that the conversation happens to be like stupid the way some people do. No, it's is, stupid. And, and so, like, actually, I want to amend my my television analogy. He's not Skyler White. We all know like Tom Brady's the face and the superstar. Tom Brady is Vince. He's Vincent Chase, right? Like of the entourage uh, that, that is the New England Patriots. Edelman is kind of E, right? Like he, that's who he is. Like he's, he's the, he's clearly not Vince. He's, he's clearly 
only who he is because of Vince. He he clearly like needs Vince. His whole like in the in the show Entourage. He's if you've never seen Entourage, uh, Vince is a, a an actor and like the whole Entourage revolves around him. And he is his best friend that is his manager. And so like again, literally like everything that he does revolves around what Vince does. And so like that is who Edelman is. But the show and the whole theme of Entourage would not be what it is without E. And in fact, like this is an entourage thing, but like they specifically wanted Kevin, is it Kevin Connolly? Kevin Connolly to play that role because it was so unique. And like this, this was an incredibly unique role that Edelman played within the overall Patriots run. And so like, no, it wasn't Wes Welker did the exact same role and did it better. But I think again, within the, the scope of what the Patriots have been. And I thought, I actually thought Belichick's statement on this was incredible because he doesn't open up like that, you know, when it comes to just any player or any person. And so, like, I do think that, I mean, we've we've seen the highlights a billion times in the days since he's retired. I mean, we've seen how he truly was this, like, embodiment of, like, Belichick's prototypical player. Not that Wes Welker wasn't, but Wes Welker was elite at a very particular thing. And Edelman wasn't. And because he wasn't, he had to be good at a lot of things. And he had to be amendable. I mean, like, that's he he was the ultimate, like, I'm just super happy to be a part of this. <laughs> right. Like, and, and there's no like shame in that or anything, but like that was a, that was a necessary role and a necessary juice. I mean, like he, he partly, and I'm, I don't mean this like by virtue of his talents, but just by virtue of his Edelmanness, boosted Tom Brady. He really did. Like he, yeah, he, that's fine. I'm, I'm not denying that he wasn't a good player, but that's what I'm saying. He was a good player and we are, I don't know why some people are struggling with this. You know, they say that people believe conspiracy theories, RJ, because (laughs) human beings like big explanations for big events. We can't just have JFK get shot by some random dude. It's got to be an entire government conspiracy because JFK was beloved by so many people. Our brains don't like small explanations for big events. And when it comes to players in the Super Bowl era, especially recently, who have won a lot of Super Bowls, we don't like saying, hey, this guy's a good player that won a bunch of rings. If you won a bunch of rings, for some reason now, we try and elevate you somehow because our brains don't like saying that average guys can win rings too. And I think that's what's happening with Julian Edelman is that he has three rings, which is awesome. Congratulations. But he's really not that great. Like, never made a Pro Bowl. Never made an All-Pro team. Never led the league in a single statistical category except for drops, P.S. Like, it's just, it, it's staggering to me that people are even breathing words of the Hall of Fame with Julian Edelman. So let me say, first of all, on the Hall of Fame note, that I appreciate your extreme objectivity when it comes to the Hall of Fame, which harkens back to the Calvin Johnson point that we talked about several months ago. Um, Calvin Johnson, like from a talent perspective, is like maybe the third best wide receiver of all time. And so certainly a Hall of Famer. But you're in, if anyone didn't hear Stats' take was that he wasn't a first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, no, just, he's not just, a Hall of Famer at all. He didn't do it for long enough. Is my whoa, OK. Pick. Wow. Uh, again, I'm on the on the hill to Calvin Johnson, literally in the top easily in the top five like athletically and talent wise but that's a whole different to me anyway so again like i agree that julian edelman is not a hall of famer but like i think he 
through the unique path that he took, which was unique. It wasn't just this, like, he wasn't Kenny Gant on the 90s Dallas Cowboys. Like, he he was unique in the run that that they, they had. And so, like, I think that the uniqueness of it at least, like, has earned the question, right? Like, the question is no. silly. The question is silly for some people. But, like, my point is, like, he is he is like a he's more than like a trivia answer. You know what I mean? Like he he had this really incredible and incredibly unique career for a very incredible team, a very incredible fan base as the sidekick to the greatest player of all time under the greatest coach of all time. Like I agree that all those things also like help to boost his overall like stock in this capacity. But I just I think he again, he, the, the he's not a Hall of Famer, but and the answer is he's a Patriots Hall of Famer. Like that's ultimately the answer is that, yeah. you know, if, if you're a player like that, you're, you're, you're one of the best players in your team's history and maybe best is not the right way to put it. But um, again, I'm not advocating for him to be a Hall of Famer, but I have appreciated the argument that people have made. Like, you know, he deserves to have his story told because of what it means and meant to the NFL. And I'm what not, what did it mean to the NFL? Like dude, you couldn't, he, I mean, we just we've been talking about what it meant to the NFL. Here, here's a here's an a sort of soft equal. I think not. I still don't agree with this myself, but I and I am so appreciative that the Pro Football Hall of Fame put the Sables in, right? Like for a million reasons, they yep. founded NFL Films, and that is essential to the way that we view and love NFL history. Like to this day, they are the true keepers of the flame, and they deserve to be Hall of Famers and deserve to be for a long time. I think Edelman is interestingly like closer to that category of Hall of Famer um, than literally everybody else. You know what I mean? Like the category of like, you know, contributions to the like the story of the NFL. And oh, that, my God. I'm Again, like I, I, I have a complicated like emotion about this. I don't think he's a Hall of Famer and I don't like have the energy to argue that he is because I don't believe that he is. But I think he was very unique. And that was all I really wanted to say like i i think being i think dismissing it is unfair to the type of career that he had i don't think he's unique at all he was a slot receiver he did the exact same thing that wes welker did and as far as not being able to tell the story of the nfl without julian edelman julian edelman is not a blip in the history of the nfl he's nothing he's insignificant so interestingly um Obviously, this this our conversation was inspired by the one that you and BLG had on the podcast, and you both mentioned Wes Walker and asked if he'd ever won a Super Bowl. Obviously, he, he didn't. Has not. I know, uh, but I think that they are interesting. I've said the word interestingly like six times today, and it's got my mind in a weird spot. But interestingly, they are kind of at the like opposite ends of this particular spectrum. Like Edelman, this this average player that had this elite career accomplishment wise, right? Like his resume is is you know dazzled. Or is, it, or is it bedazzled? That's the word I'm looking for. It's bedazzled. Uh, okay. Whereas Wes Welker, this incredibly elite talent that was undiscovered for a while and, and, you know, had that elite production that doesn't have any of that. And Wes Welker was literally on the two greatest offenses of all time. He was on the 2007 Patriots and the 2013 Broncos. I mean, he the majority of his production came from, you know, the quarterbacks that define our generation. You know, like... It's it's astounding that like the I hate to reduce it to luck, but like the luck that they had, you know, at opposite ends of the spectrum uh, in that sense. And it's super and maybe you could argue it's unfair in the other like, 
you know, effect for Edelman that people remember him for like the catch against the Falcons or the the touchdown throw against the Ravens in 2014, whatever. It's unfair that people lump Wes Walker into the drop in Super Bowl 46 that he had when when Giselle had the comment afterwards and everything like that because <laughs> because he had like and that's what I'm saying like Wes Walker's career 500 times the career that that Julian Edelman's was, but you know it's less essential to the story of the NFL. Like Wes Walker's career shines brightly into like in the story of the NFL. If it was a movie, the 2007 Patriots and the 2013 Broncos are, are when it really shines. And I mean, that's, I think that this just Julian Edelman is a little bit more implanted in people's minds, I, I think, but yeah, because I, he had great moments in the playoffs and that's people remember those things. But I mean, like so, Wes Welker. The Patriots don't win the Super Bowl, so we're not saying any. No one is saying Wes Welker should be in the Hall of Fame. But if he the has Patri- a better case, though, like to be. Of course he right, does. Right. <laughs> just, just getting that out there that I agree with this. It's all I'm saying. So I just, I think that he, that Edelman won a lot. He had that moment against the Falcons, like you said, fantastic, amazing, incredible catch. And so we don't like that. We don't like that we can just like forget about Julian Edelman now because he's retired because he's not going to make the Hall of Fame. So people are trying to elevate it. And I think it's ridiculous. This is not the best comparison either, but I'm really I'm hoping that I can at least get you to move one percent in a weird way. um, I don't mean this in totality, but kind of like Robert Ori. You know what I mean? Like a part of a lot of championship teams, a, a a contributor in, in in a lot of senses, big time contributor, Robert Ori. Robert Ori was a better player than Julian Edelman was. I'm not saying that that he wasn't, but like people remember like Robert Ori's shot against the Pistons in 2004, right? Like he was big shot Bob. You know what I mean? Like that's mm-hmm. that's who he was. Like his big moments came in the playoffs, and so like that's kind of those are unique people. And Robert Ori again, a far more worthwhile Hall of Famer in in that capacity than Julian Edelman is here. But that's all I'm saying. Like he's He's a unique person, and it's okay to say that while also saying that he's definitely not a Hall of Famer. I mean, who's not saying he's unique? You I'm guys just saying, were saying that. You guys were like, this is stupid. I just, you know, wanted to, you know, the week I mean, of his, his retirement, y'all had no respect. I mean, his story is unique for sure, but that's as far as it goes. Like, and I, I think it's okay to say it's not knocking Julian Edelman. It's just stating facts, plain. By the way, Robert Ori, seven-time NBA champion. I think I Ori had more great playoff moments than Edelman, to be honest Agreed. with you. Agreed. Uh, also, not a Hall of Famer. I have another question for you. My last question on this. Whose story is more essential to the NFL? The, the way I frame this to you is if Michael McCambridge rewrote America's Game, the best book on NFL history there is. But if he rewrote it, and, and who is more likely to be included? Julian Edelman or Nick Foles? Nick Foles, a billion percent. I disagree. He won the Super Bowl MVP. The the reason that that is so elevated is because of who it came against. And by the way, that was the one Super Bowl in the latter half of the Patriots run that Julian Edelman missed. So imagine if Julian Edelman had played in that game. Well, Brady threw for like 500 yards in that game, so I don't think it would have mattered that much. I'm I'm joking that, but no, like you, I don't understand this. This what people that say you can't tell the story of the NFL without this guy are making that argument because they have no other possible argument. You can't tell the story of the NFL without David Tyree. Should he be in the Hall of Fame? No. Like, come on now. No, but like, so to that point, there is a unique box, right? Of, you know, like everyone's got like a box or a bin where they keep like unique things. Like, I don't think Edelman is quite like Nick Foles and David Tyree are in the same box generally, right? Julian Edelman's not quite in that box, but he's like the he's like the the little box you put on top of the bin. You know what I mean? That's like on the on that shelf or whatever. Um, he, he's in that 
that sector, but not quite in that box. I usually am down to ride with you on whatever <laughs> weird analogy you want to make. That one, I, I can't else, go with you on that. Who one. else is in this this department here? Like these unique contributions in that sense. There are guys, but like I Larry, just think Larry Brown, the Cowboys corner, they won Super Bowl MVP in Super Bowl right. Thirty. Like, yeah, again, there are a lot of weird Super Marlon Jackson. I think won a Super Bowl MVP for the Buccaneers. I think like there are a lot of weird Super Bowl MVPs like that. And Edelman Malcolm is a, yes, and Edelman is a Super Bowl MVP, and he deserves credit for that. But that's it. Like, good player, good playoff moments, have a good life. That's all I'm saying. We're, we could be I done with Julian Edelman. All I'm saying is even that was absent on the oddcast. So I'm glad I fought for a little bit of love here. You know, I just want peace, love, and harmony, which is why we had Kate on. And let's not forget who Kate agreed with here. That's fine. I have no problem. <laughs> Let me tell you a quick story really, really quickly. So before my wife and I got married, we had to do the pre-Cana because we got married in a church. So you have to do this, like, there's, like, requirements you have to do before you get married. And one of them was, like, a marriage a class about marriage that we had to go to. And so they said, they asked everybody a question in, in the class of, is it your responsibility to make sure your partner grows throughout your life? And depending on your answer, you had to go to a different corner of the room. Well, when that question came up, everyone in the class literally said, yes, I was the only one in the entire room standing in the opposite corner. And I said, no. And let me tell you, I was quite comfortable with it. I am fine living in that space. Yeah, so you've got your own box. Julian Edelman's got his own box. Like everybody's got their own particular boxes and spaces. Um, if for what it's worth, um, you know, I'm your partner here. I feel like you've helped me grow. So you know, you have accomplished that, whether intentional or not. You know, I, you deserve a kudos there. I am glad it happened. I'm not saying it's my job to make it happen. Well, well there you go. You know, I just want to thank you, Stats, uh, for the great show, for the, the great job you always do, for uh, the appreciation you clearly have of Julian Edelman. I want to thank you for the appreciation <laughs> that you would have had if Julian Edelman had joined the 49ers like people thought he would many moons ago. Had that happened, you would certainly be arguing that he is without question a Hall of Famer. I thought about in trying to upset you. This would have been purely a lie and only to upset you saying he was just like Ronnie Lott in NFL history. But I, I didn't want to have that, that argument. I was just, okay. I was only trying to hurt you. Uh, but uh, but this was all about you today. It's clearly noted at the very beginning. Um, so congratulations to you, Bobby G. I'm going to end it there before I say <laughs> something I'm going to regret. Anyway, rate, review, subscribe. We'll talk to you next week. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on the <laughs> No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, 
fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.